0: Uh, I am. Um, well, sailors I, are... Out of uh, more compassion than anything else. I so y-
1: your nuttiness attraction is a compassionate nuttiness
0: attraction? Yeah. I mean, I, I talk to the people that other people won't talk to. Okay. Th- that's probably I, good, I though. I, I mean, that's Say a good thing.
2: That's just straight-up sailor talk there. <laughs> <It's, you> no. <know, laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it seems like nothing good could come from the rest of this conversation. <laughs> because I feel that we'll have a lot in common <laughs> If you're nutty oh, and yeah. I'm nutty, then this we'll be cr- fine.
2: Is this is this the actual timepiece that you wear when you wear a timepiece?
1: When I scuba dive?
2: Oh, is that what it
1: is? No, I wear this watch. I that one, too. But I got that watch. It was on sale on Amazon. And I, I really change. like it. I just can't figure out how to change the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I mean, I, I have... It's, you it's, mean like when you move from time <laughs> to <the> time? <laughs> or, or, yeah, when the time changes. I don't understand how. It's It's a watch so advanced, you can't change the time. <laughs>
0: Please welcome to the stage, Todd Conklin.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am your host, Todd Conklin. What do you think about that fancy welcome to the stage,
2: huh?
1: (laughs) I just spoke at a meeting where they played those for everyone that went on stage and I was so excited the whole day I listened to them. Welcome to the stage, Joe Johnson. Welcome to the stage, Matt Comfer. Welcome to the... And, and then when I went up, they didn't play it. Because I guess I started too early. It's my fault. I can't blame anybody. It's my I started too early with my presentation. Because, you know, I'm always chomping at the bit. I'm a bit chomper. Chomper? Chomper Arrow. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, this is the podcast. I'm glad you're here. It's um, It's been nothing but exciting. I'm telling you nothing but exciting. The last couple weeks I have had the best time at a whole bunch of places with a whole lot of people. And it's been so much fun to see everybody and to get out and to hang out with you and to have a good time. And mostly what excites me, if you must know, and you must, I mean, you must know this is how good the work that is being done is being done. Holy guacamole. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, it's hard to measure stuff that doesn't happen, but I'm willing to bet you pretty good dinero that uh, a lot of stuff is not happening because of the work you're doing. And that my friends is really important that we celebrate. I don't think we get enough time, but in the midst of the celebration, there are those catastrophic failures and I've been working on some of those as well. And they're hard cause you're not going to make it. Somebody, didn't make it, something bad, 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 the worst possible thing that could happen, happened. And in the midst of that, it becomes important for us to understand the value of really two things, restoration, that our job is to restore, and the important point that we can't meet pain with pain. I mean, making people feel worse doesn't make things better. It just doesn't. Growing and learning and improving is really our watchword. Good work done well for the right reasons. That's what we do. Good work done well for the right reasons. There's a whole safety moment about that. You might have heard it. Um, I think it's a really important way to think about what success looks like. Good work done well for the right reasons. If that's our test, then that's the test we want to pass. And that's what we do. That's, that's, that's in fact, the work we do. And for me, it's never better than when I have a great experience or, or even a sub-great experience When I'm out, you know, doing the stuff we do, mostly what I want to do is lay around and eat candy. That is um, kind of my ultimate goal for everything. I don't get to do it that much, but, but I try. I mean, that's what I want to do. That's, that's where I want to be in this equation on the candy eating side of the equation. That's my goal. Yes, my goal. Okay. So today's podcast, I should get into it because it's it's a little longer is two of um, the greatest people in the whole world. You're going to love them. It's Mark Homeyer and Ted Finley. Now, Mark uh, is a a vessel master. He's a boat captain. Actually, so is Ted. Um, Mark really is uh, just a super impressive human being, and I've wanted to get him on the podcast forever, but he's always been somewhat hesitant. And so Ted and Mark came to Santa Fe for a little visit with their families, and we had a marvelous time. Couldn't have had more fun. I mean, Seriously. If you'd have us have more fun, I don't think we could have squeezed it in. But we sat down and did a podcast. And so you're going to hear really Mark and Ted Finley, Mark Homeyer and Ted Finley and myself, just kind of talking about the world. Now, Ted is the world-famous tugboat Ted. He's he's a safety guy who works with, uh, with uh, Ships Assist, I believe is how they call it, in the business. You and I would call it tugboats. And we're just going to have a conversation. And you're invited. You heard part of it because... Pretty much what you heard in the intro is what's going to happen, but now I want to take some time and let you listen to the rest of it. So without any further ado, sit back and relax. This is the Pre-Accident Podcast with Mark Holmeyer and Ted Finley, Tugboat Ted and Captain Mark. Here we go, boys. Climb aboard. What are your burning safety issues? What What, it, what do you think about the journey you've been on? Maybe that's a good way to start this conversation.
0: Well, my, Take it away, Ted. for me, my um, I guess the I'm having some uh, ideas or issues around um, people following procedures and not following procedures. And, and I know my crew doesn't follow procedures, and they've told me that for years. Right. And I get that. Right. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. But that's a big – but there's some things that simply need to be done. And I had a discussion with uh, – with Bob Edwards about lockout tagout, right? That's okay. a procedure, right? Isolation, and right? It's you know, there's a, if it goes wrong, it goes terribly wrong. And I've had uh, known two people that have died from lockout tagout issues. So there's a personal piece for me, right? And uh, the crew often just don't see the you know the importance of following that whole control of work process. Well, so and yet, me- when we get you know we get vetted. By people they want to make sure that you've got a robust permit to work system right it's like these are things that we just can't you know uh we're not going to negotiate well
1: all. so let me ask this question what's the purpose of lockout tagout?
0: well for me the purpose of lockout tag out is to uh, have a control that prevents hazardous energy right. so it but, isolates the energy away yeah. from the
1: worker right yeah so the crazy thing about the procedure for lockout tagout is that even if best done a procedure will never isolate right mm-hmm. it's just it's just a formal record of how we want the work done right and so you have to ask this question does lockout tag out exist in procedural adherence or does it exist in verification of energy
0: uh, in many cases neither so so that's, they'll they'll hit a breaker but right? that's as far as they'll go right but
1: the, but they think that's sufficient mhm right so if you change the switch in your house how would you lock it out a sw- just a light switch just a uh like the switch that runs your bathroom fan which ted i'm imagining works really hard in your house <clears throat> i don't i don't know this but it seems like that's something that you're good at yeah it okay. um, it
0: gets a lot of work
1: yeah that's okay so if you're going to change that switch how would you lock that
0: out Well, I have to admit, I would just hit the breaker down below because it's it's just my wife and I.
1: And the reason is you'd hit the breaker is it's it's actually a sufficient isolation of the energy. Sure. Right? Right. If everything goes well, right? If you find other energy or you change the wrong switch, but a switch leg is not terribly dangerous. True. Right? I agree. And so what happens is that the guys are, are constantly matching what they think is an appropriate level of control. With the risk that they think they see. Now, your question, which is really a great question and a pretty good place to start this discussion, is: Does the lockout/tagout formality actually create more safety?
0: No, I would say the isolation is what creates the right. safety. And the 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 process is more. Uh, I think to cover your right, cover and, your butt and yet the consequences
1: piece. really can be really serious. You can die. Right So we know the consequence is really high, but I think maybe we can I mean it, maybe if your guys so first of all, if your guys tell you they don't follow the procedure, that's probably a good thing, not a bad thing because they're being honest with you actually, I think that's they to, will be yeah. I think that speaks remarkably highly because it's much easier to tell you, of course we follow the procedure every time because then the payoff is you go away and they get to do work any way they want to, but they're honest with you, which they know it's probably going to lead to another discussion, right. But if they're not following the procedure, maybe the better question to ask is: Is the procedure followable? Is our lockout tagout process sure. practical? Does it make a difference to to the way we do work?
0: Well, we actually you know reduce the procedure um, because we have crews of four uh, yes. working, and really only two are up at any one time. So one is driving the boat; the other one. Uh, would be locking something out. There's literally nobody else that could flip that switch back on. Um, But we've had instances instances where they haven't flipped the switch at all, and they're working on something, and uh, somebody comes in. uh, The captain could start uh, a switch, a generator, for example, from the wheelhouse um, and start a generator that should have been locked out to prevent that from happening.
1: So introduce yourself to us, Ted.
0: Uh, My name's Ted. Uh, I work for... Just uh, Ted?
1: It's only Ted? Tugboat Ted. Oh, Tugboat Ted. Okay. (laughs) He's owning it. That's right. He he is the Tugboat Uh, Ted. I'm
0: Ted Finley. I work in the the shipping group, and my role there is uh, safety as well as uh, uh, the shoreside advocate for crew members around safety and environmental issues. And then I do something called ops integrity. It's kind of uh, our own term to talk about compliance within our management system.
1: I actually really like the phrase ops integrity.
0: I mean, I think that's encompassing
1: of everything, reliability, resilience, safety, environmental, all the things that really matter to you guys, Um, quality, resilience, all the things you do. And you work mostly
0: in Ships Assist, right? Uh, Well, now it's uh, expanded a little bit. I've got offshore uh, tugs that work uh, in the oil field down in the Gulf, uh, up in Alaska, as well as the ship Assist group that's uh, the entire West Coast.
1: But it's tugboats.
0: Tugboats. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: That's good. And and Mark, introduce
2: yourself as well. Uh, my name is Mark Holmeyer, and I actually work on also work in the same group, shipping. Uh, I look after uh, ships and and tug, well, articulated tug and barge units. And I'm, my my group is really uh, involved in the transportation of uh, petroleum, petroleum products. Uh, that's that's really. By and large, so really, I mean, my my title is director of marine operations, but I, I I think I feel like I'm really a facilitator. I'm I'm looking to facilitate safe and effective operations, so, safe and reliable operations.
1: Yeah, which are those are important words. What's your feeling? Because the consequence in your world around energy isolation is actually even more significant. What's your feeling about this idea of? procedures and like I tell you, what do you feel about so procedures w-
2: what's interesting is you kind of have two ends of the spectrum so i don't mean to jump into ted's world here but he that group does a ton of evolutions uh of the process right so uh, in their work so they do thousands of these right. evolutions in a year whereas um a, a crew on a on a tanker would do fewer of the evolutions and there are more people. So, um, but you know, when, when I heard, when I was listening to you have this conversation, what stuck out to me is for me, control of work processes. Um, I think the thing I like, you know, we could parse the words of it, but what always comes to me about control of work processes is if, if they are in fact doing them prior to executing the work, then for me, the thing that's valuable is it slows them down. Uh, right. In the execution of the work, right? So it, it provides this time for them to kind of soak on it before they do it. And I I have to say, I believe that by and large, much of what we do, uh, the guys are actually executing like lockout, tagout, or work from height, or uh, hot work permitting, um, job safety analysis type stuff is is, is happening prior to work. By and large, I mean, I, I, um, yeah, I would, I would say that's, yeah.
1: It seems that safety in the maritime industry is different than safety in other industries. Uh, And it's because there's a, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there's a a strong sense of independence and crews really are identified as kind of the survival unit. They work by crew. Like in, in my observation, the most important safety culture influence on board a vessel is the master is the captain, right? They sort of create a culture by which operational integrity, um, and operational discipline happens. And so you, you really trust the crew to make adaptive decisions in real time in highly variable conditions successfully. And it sounds like mostly what happens is they're successful,
2: right? Oh, yeah, they're we have a super high success rate. yes. So, so
1: why? What what, what makes them so successful?
0: Ooh. Oh, great. Um, well, that's this was a hard question. It
1: really? is. It, it is. I, I, um, so let me rephrase it and ask it harder. Can I ask it harder?
2: Yeah, make it harder. Okay. Please. What's happening when nothing bad's happening? The same work for us. Yeah yeah I mean, well, they
0: communicate really well okay. with one another i mean uh the crews on the uh the ship assist boats in particular because they've been on those vessels for so long they can tell if somebody's eyebrow raises what that means, so there's these uh these really nuanced subtle signals that they can give each other so they're they're operating they're reading from the same uh sheet of music if you will, and I think that 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 uh Verbal and nonverbal communication between them really, uh, really is helpful.
1: So lots of, lots of those value-based trust and relationship-building stuff that's happening kind of at a nonverbal level, and it's this real intensity of the crew. What's changed since you guys have started looking at safety through kind of the new view? It, or has it changed? Maybe is a better question.
0: Well, I think there's uh, more of the crew that are willing uh, to have conversations about what really happens on the vessel. Um, Part of that is my time with them first as a uh, survival trainer. Uh, Over about a 10-year period, I developed a sense of trust with them. They would tell me things in class that uh, they may not be telling their bosses, right? And I think uh, for the new view and that approach to be successful, people have to trust that um, they're not going to get in trouble for telling you the truth about what is really happening in the work environment. Is that new? Um, I, I think it's new. Well, it's um, it's grown, that ability okay. of the rest of the crew to, to be comfortable to say those words, to to talk about the work that they do.
1: How do you build that trust, though? When you send out vessels every day, I mean, they're out there all the time. Once they sort of leave shore, they're no longer under the tutelage of, you know, senior leadership, I guess, is a good way. To, I don't know how else to say that, right? How, how, do you, how do you establish that trust that what you need to have happen is happening, right? Because to me, that question, what's happening when nothing bad's happening? In your industry, a lot of people are working really hard to ensure nothing bad happens. Because I think what you bring to the table is really three forms of safety. You have all the classic industrial safety. Don't cut your hand, right? Don't trip. Don't fall. Don't hurt your back. Then you've got all like, Mark, Your guys have all this pretty high level process safety stuff. Sure. Uh, Well, actually the tugboats have all the process safety as well, right? Super strategic. You have to manage for resilience. You're building stuff so that it fails safely. You, you create that. And then you have the third option, which I think is really interesting, which is this whole notion of maritime safety, right? Which is a, big part of it um that is a huge part of successfully operating a vessel so you're managing really three very distinct forms of safety and and you're doing it based upon building i guess capacity in the crew and then sending the crews out to do their work um on their own right fair enough am i freaking you out no no one's ever said this before you're you're (laughs) looking at me like i don't have mirrors in my house it's just my observation i could be wrong
2: i think you're i think you're spot on i i think what ted said about uh trust is, certainly trust is a, a big part of it also i think um uh a desire to learn uh as soon as we and this is an evolution i, I mean we've been at this for we're going getting close to 10 years i think yeah just and about. um and i think it's a, a lot of it is getting uh getting people to trust you and uh, let making them understand that what we want to do is learn and grow. Right. Um, uh, when we fail, cause we know we're going to fail, you know, what's going to keep us safe. And it, is that enough? You know what I mean? Are we have, have, do we have the processes? Do we have the, um, capacity to fail safely? What do those conversations
1: place? look like for you guys on a, on a normal basis? Cause you have them all the time. I mean, Other companies look at other organizations look to you to understand this, this notion of safe and reliable performance.
2: Well, actually, to be honest with you, I, I look to the crews to, um, to, to be, to perform the work safely. I, I don't need, um, I don't need to tell them how to do the work safely. I think what I need to do is adjust to some extent to adjust the black line to more um, run closer to the blue line for me uh, um, I think that's I think uh, that that's where it's at for us which
1: is almost exactly opposite of how we started this conversation because we started the conversation saying we want practice to look like the process but now you're telling me that you really work at looking at making the process reflect the practice is that fair
0: Well, I I think that's where I'm leaning, Um, but I always get pushback uh, from other shoreside managers around um, that the procedures are sacrosanct, that it must be done this way, and I recognize that it's not done this way because it can't be done this way, it can't be done that way, and and so it's important for me to listen to the crew find out so what are what are your challenges what sorts of things would keep you safe so uh, if we come back to the um, idea of lockout tag out for me um, not knowing uh, any of the external uh, contributing factors would be uh, a lock is to me the safest way to isolate that particular equipment or a blank and and tagged out Uh, but for a person working by themselves and I have to admit myself changing that light switch in my house the lock doesn't mean anything right because i'm comfortable in knowing um that somebody's not going to come in and hit that switch while i'm working on it uh, you know assuming that all the secondary sources of of power or energy have been uh secured but i don't have that sense um or that comfort thinking about the cruise away from shore of what the various scenarios might be that are at play out there, right? And you can probably and, never imagine all. Through that.
1: Yeah, you can probably never imagine all the scenarios. Like that's the crazy thing about your guys' work is that you just couldn't imagine all the variability. I mean, it's just there's just I mean, you don't know what'll fail next, but something will fail. Maybe the question I'd ask you, and, and this is a question I think you guys are quite comfortable with. Uh, you're just very humble. Is um, is m- when they do an isolation activity successfully. What happened? I mean, right. So if the, if the goal is to keep the energy from the target, from either the person or the environment or whatever, how do they do it so successfully so much of the time? Is it luck or is it actually just Mm -hmm. skill, just years of building sort of strong crew cultures and functioning as a effective crew? Yes. <laughs> I know. It's,
0: I, I'm like wondering who's interviewing who. <laughs> I'm a little yeah. blabby today. Well, I, I think I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but they know their business, right? They they are pros at what they do. Very much They're so. They're yeah. some of the best in the world at what they do, and that's why you know we can. When Mark was working with our our team, you know, we had uh, close to sixteen thousand evolutions. And I think we had uh, one OSHA recordable, no LTIs. And, uh, you know, that was cause for celebration. But uh, the other side of that is, wow, um, but something could still happen. Well, and see, that's what's right. fun
1: talking with you guys is that organizations that are quite reliable don't feel reliable, yeah. they, they don't act reliable. Yeah. And, and I actually think that's a huge compliment for you guys. It's a little left handed. Not that I'm anti-left-handed. Don't get me wrong. I love left-handed. Some of my best friends are left-handed. <laughs> Let's get that out there. <laughs> sure. But organizations that are really reliable don't take that for granted. They they always are thinking, what could fail next? What what's What's going to happen next time? We're good this
0: time, but what
1: happens next time? And that's part of what you guys both bring to your
0: operations for sure. Well, that's a change for me. Uh, I think before my introduction to New View, uh, that would have been cause for celebration and you know pop the cork on the champagne. But now I think, you know, that's you know fatalities hide in successful work, right? And 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 I need to constantly be looking at those areas where there may be risk or um, danger for the crew and identify what those are. And all I can do is learn more from the crew to find out about the system that they work in
1: so really the crew is a, a an, an important resource they're they're not the problem they're the solution right
0: <laughs> yeah because I, I don't do their work you know yeah. I, I don't know it the way that they know it intimately um, and it's uh, so I, I constantly learn from them and what which is why I want to be open to this idea of uh, control of hazardous energy to find out what what really will, in fact, work? And is that enough? Yeah. So let me ask this
1: question. You guys flip a coin to see who goes first. What do you think has been the most important lesson you've learned on this journey the last 10 years? Mark, you won. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a good coin flip. The most important. Um... Yeah, in this last 10-year journey, I bet you've learned a ton of stuff. What's been What's had the highest resonance with you?
2: Oh man, I, I, there's, there's probably 10 different, um, I think for me understanding or getting a better understanding of how, what safety actually is for me, which is sort of a dynamic, um, it's sort of dynamic and it's never, uh, you're never there, right? Uh, you never arrive. I think, um, learning to listen to, uh, listen to the crew for the answers to how to be safer, which I think is is counterintuitive. As I think um, it's easy to, um, and I know that sounds very dumbed down and simplified, but the, the crews where the that's where the uh, the juice is. That's where that's where the the path to the promised land is. Is listening to what to what they're telling you and um, getting real right up next to them and being right there with them and getting them to um, to trust you to tell you where the gaps are that they feel that they're vulnerable at and so I guess um, I mean (laughs) I'm sorry Todd I don't know that I'm giving you No I think it's quite good the super It's quite good it it, uh, for me you know I just want to back up because you asked a really important question at the beginning which is I think where I'm spending a lot of my time, and where my team spends a lot of time, uh, and I I work to focus on is places where I'm not as caught up in slips, trips, and falls. You know, I'm really caught up on in things that can cause major catastrophes, and focusing my team, uh, our team, in how do we get to looking at those things real seriously, and. Uh, that's where I has that been hard. Uh, I think it's easy to get distracted by, uh, you know, slips, trips, and fall type stuff. I think that's very distracting, um, and it it sucks up a lot of bandwidth to to focus on that. And of course, listen, we we want everybody to have a hundred percent, um, safe evolution when they come on board and spend time. But what I really want to make sure is that they aren't seriously injured or killed. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, that's where reliability lies. But I think um, that there's a lot of training around. Um, I think slips, trips, and falls can, focusing on that too much can kind of take, you, take your head out of the game.
1: I agree. I, I actually think it creates a bias towards managing the wrong things.
2: Yeah, so maybe if I, I guess as we kind of talk this, kind of parse this out a little bit, I think it's understanding what's really important um, and not getting too focused on um, statistical solutions and being comfortable with there's a certain amount of um, low-level noise that happens and you just got to accept that low-level noise and keep your eyes open for the, the big stuff, stuff that can really change things. Wow. So, thanks. That was great. Dad, what do you got? Follow that.
0: I think I for, dare the, for me, um, that'd be easy. It's the notion of of listening uh to the crew and uh and this is around uh, the two fundamentals of uh errors normal and blame fixes nothing. Right. Uh, we had, and, and again, I give Mark credit, uh, when he came over to our group, uh, we really began in earnest to apply the principles of New View, and we had an uh, investigation, and uh, we took the learning team approach, and I asked uh, one of the mariners involved, I said, so, so what did you think of this approach? And he said, without hesitation, I've never been treated so kindly in my life, <laughs> and that it just floored me. Um, here's a person that um, still has his job and he's going to be able to, he's the world's uh, expert on that incident yeah, and what to do and what not to do. And he's going to tell that story as is the tradition um, in the maritime field. Absolutely. uh, Is, is passing this wisdom down uh, from crew to crew. Um, and, And he's now, You know, he's just a a great guy. He he was a great guy before it happened. He's an even better guy now that he's been treated fairly, and um, and he's more valuable to the company. And he's more
2: valuable to the company because he's an expert. Well, and he's an expert in that that failure mode. In
0: that failure (laughs) mode, exactly. And so that was a really big learning for me. And when I find uh, that there's a lot of, I think we carry these biases, and, and many of us are are often willing to jump to blame first and when you go there you don't learn anything and and that's that's the key is if you are
2: yeah, shuts if, you down if you
0: open yourself up there's so much you can learn the beginning of wisdom is to admit you know nothing
2: right? yeah right yeah. yeah and and
0: and i think that's really the the biggest thing for me if i were to rewrite those five principles i would
1: not say blame fixes nothing i would say blame stops improvement right
2: yeah yeah, there's a lot of things that go on in your mind that flip the whole story around and change it so that it's not valuable. Yeah, it becomes almost completely unvaluable. Thanks,
1: you guys. Did you have a good time at Santa Fe? Loved it. What was the highlight? Uh, this, uh, the pet one, parade. Uh, the pe- <laughs> I think the pet is a highlight. I, I'll give you that as well.
0: A uh, quesadilla at um, Pasquals. You had an entire quesadilla?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just one dia. You had a case of had Wow. Because I had a whole case. A case of Diaz. (laughs) Case of Diaz and Pascals and the Pet Parade. Pretty good. Thanks for your time, you guys. You were amazing. So that's all she wrote. That's the podcast for today. Thank you, Mark Homeyer and Ted Finley, Tugboat Ted and Captain Mark. You guys are a great group of seafarers to have a conversation with. Did I say that correctly? I could have said so many different things. Imagine what I could have said, but I said it that way. And that is pretty much our time together. I wish we had more, but I'm already two minutes long, so I'm long already. So, sorry, I owe you two minutes. I'll I'll make it up for you, I promise. Until then, my friends, keep listening to the podcast. Tell your friends, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for writing reviews. That's made a huge difference. Our numbers are gigantic. You know that, right? We have millions and millions and millions of... Do you know this? We have like 32 million downloads of this dumb podcast. I'm not even making that up. That's not even made up. That's just crazy. Um, And I don't really understand how it all works, but we can talk about it later. Until then, my friends, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, be safe. Please welcome to the stage, Todd Conklin.